There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the twilight zone. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Twilight Highlight Zone. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by... Hi, Ben. It's me, Jeff. What is this? The end of the road, some would say. Or the start of a new road. <laughs> Let's find out. We're talking about the final episode of season one of Jordan Peele's reboot of the Twilight Zone. And inherently yes. the reboot of the Twilight Highlight Zone, where we all got a little bit hipper and fresher and younger. Yes, absolutely. I have a sister now that was never explained before in the plot. I'm dabbing. <laughs> This episode's called Blurry Man. It is. What did you know going into this episode? Absolutely. Well, I saw the preview for it. Oh, did you really? Yeah. What was the preview like? Uh, it focused on Seth Rogen. Okay. And a few shots of Blurry Man. Oh. It was very cryptic. It made it seem like Seth Rogen was battling like a, the Blurry Man? Yeah, kind of. And then also uh, the actress who plays Sophie in the episode. Uh, but it was very cryptic. It did, oh, good. did not lend it, like, didn't play its hand oh good because uh, this one's a doozy it's a doozy and we're recording it you know uh the after the weekend and so it was like around that friday my stupid google news feed that's where all the spoilers happen right where i'm just in google on, on my little app here it said uh like jordan peele's meta ending to twilight zone season one i was like oh no because now mm. i know for sure they're just going to make the interconnected twilight zone universe and that's going right. to be what the episode's about ultimately yeah i could not have been more delighted when it was not that at yes. all like to be convinced that something's spoiled for you uh-huh. and then as you go into it it's like oh my god it's a different kind of spoiler i didn't yeah. see coming in some ways the show spoils itself well you know what are you gonna do, what are you gonna do? um two thoughts yes first of all mm-hmm. blurry man yeah uh, I was just listening to the podcast, uh, You Made It Weird, with Pete Holmes, which I enjoy quite a bit. Uh-huh. And he, disconnected from this, just uh, reminded me of the Mitch Hedberg joke about, what if Bigfoot was just actually blurry? <laughs> <laughs> which I thought about a lot stuff. during yeah. this episode. It's very smart stuff. Um, I'm a little bit worried, I guess, just for Twilight Zone in general, because this episode, uh, not to tip my hand, is bonkers. Mm-hmm. I think in a good way. And I think, and maybe this is a critique of our podcast, but I had one person tweet at me like, holy crap, I can't wait for you to talk about this episode. Yeah. I just feel like it has been radio silence mm-hmm. and they're they're swinging for a grand slam. Yeah. Did you feel the same way? It felt like they were trying to set things up for a spectacular second season. Yes. Okay. That's fair. But at the same time, I feel like it's a nice way to conclude the first season if they decide... Oh, yeah, wait a second. This isn't good. Maybe we should stop for sure. <laughs> Look what we've done. Yeah, Look where we ended it, for Christ's sake. I can't in good conscience force people to subscribe to CBS All Access anymore. <gasps> oh, All Access. Did you see that they re-released all the episodes on All Access? You know, video on demand. Of the Twilight Zone? Yeah, except in black and white. Oh, yeah, of, of this, yeah. Of this season, which is an interesting idea, but... I unless they had that in mind when they're shooting it, because yeah, I mean anybody can just desaturate and up the contrast, but it's like if it's shot in black and white, mm-hmm. I think it's important. Yeah, why not flip it vertically? 
too. Like, hey, what would that look like? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Anyways, let's get through this. Yeah. Uh, so it opens with our boy, Seth Rogen. Yes. Starring role throughout this episode, the most important <laughs> character. Uh, it's Seth Rogen, and he's a writer. Mm-hmm. And he's frustrated. He's like, oh, man. Uh, you know, they say you're supposed to, or like you have the imposter syndrome and it's not real, but maybe some writers are imposters. I'm a fraud. I'm no good. I didn't even think of ending this episode about the end of the world with the end of the world and yeah. a mushroom cloud. Oh, that's right. What if I put that first? Okay. He's like trying to cry. He's pacing around. He's got like post-it notes on the wall. Right. It's good stuff. He also makes a joke about Stockholm syndrome. Just because you have Stockholm syndrome doesn't mean you're not in Sweden. Sure. I guess we'll go with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's confusing. But even just like, you know, the pained writer, mm-hmm. I think even before he opened the curtains, because mm-hmm. let's just get to this, he opens the curtains and the world is actually nuked outside. Yes, because right? his like girlfriend or wife comes home and he's like, I cracked the code, I did it. And she's like, uh, <laughs> what is she, her, her line? We have to head to the shelter. The Reapers will be out soon. Yeah, and I was like, did he say Reapers? Okay, I was cool, like, cool. Oh, this this show is going to, this episode is going to suck because it's yeah. like, oh, what he comes up with is real now. And he opens, yeah, he opens the blinds and there's just like, Cars on fire. <laughs> yeah, that line about the Reapers. Well, like, I didn't think it was going to suck. Like, I'm on board for that type of episode, especially because it's like, <laughs> oh, it's the end of the first season, exactly like a world of his own. Yeah, is how the end of the first season of the Twilight Zone, which is with a writer who controls exactly. his universe as well. Right. And it's like, okay, that's kind of like a fun homage. Then it's like, oh no, it's breaking from that. And then ultimately, it's like, it is. I wonder it, if it is, is kind of a like deliberate. That. Do you think it's a deliberate homage to a world of his own? It, it seems like they are constantly, even if they're not directly taking plot lines, they are clearly keeping one eye on the original run of the Twilight Zone for inspiration, you know, peppering it with references and stuff. But even that, like, kind of... There are a lot of elements from it. So it would be amazing if it was just an astounding coincidence. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, especially... Yeah, I I think so. And I I like that form of reference a lot. I've grown to appreciate it throughout the course of watching the reboot series Mm -hmm. is like the... Not quite remake, but subtle homage. If you're a fan, you can see kind of where we're pulling this from, but we're not going to beat you over the head too much with it. Yeah. Although I guess later in this episode, they do kind of <laughs> shove your face in some stuff, but that's <laughs> fine. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's a it's a horrific uh, post-apocalyptic nightmare outside. And then Jordan Peele comes on the screen and explains, you know, hey, it's a whole new episode. There's, a, there's more to art than entertainment. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you know what? I think we can beat this. Yep. And completely breaks character. And he's like, where's Sophie? And he's looking around. Cut! They pull the camera back. Immediately, my skin crawls with pure delight. Oh, yeah. It was the best. Because immediately, like, Jordan Peele drops the narrator persona. Yes. And he's just kind of like... Because I have to say, the one thing about this this run of the series is because, like, Jordan Peele has reinvented himself after Key and Peele to be, like, a more serious director of horror. And not to say that those movies are not like no fun zones. You know what I mean? There's certainly yeah. like a lot of funny parts to it, but it just seems like his persona on this has been so dry and so no fun. Right. Just to see like, Oh yeah, this guy's freaking hilarious. Yes. Although I think he pushes it a little bit too far. Like I like, I wish he was just hundred percent himself. I think mm-hmm. that's much more fun, but I think he pushes himself to a little bit of like a dicky, like fueling his own ego mm-hmm. persona a little bit later in the episode, which I'm not as crazy about, but it could not be more delighted with that. And I feel like this episode, it kind of 
it touches on a lot of the critiques we've had about this entire season. Mm-hmm. And like one of them is just that like, I can't take Jordan Peele seriously as a character. And like, look, we know that bam, here's him actually basically as himself. Now you don't have to take yes. him real as a character anymore. There's more as, as we go throughout here. Um, but I love it. He's like, it's like, ah, oh, sorry guys. Sorry, Seth. Uh, we need to punch up the script, uh, punch up this narration a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love Seth is just he does a very good job of being very casual he's like yeah no problem it's your show dude like, <laughs> exactly you know, Betty over here is getting pretty pissy he's like I am not all that stuff yeah. so anyways he uh, Jordan Peele wants to talk to Sophie right who's the writer on this episode uh, this section is so good mm-hmm. <laughs> they were walking back to the dressing room and basically talking about Everything we've been talking about on this podcast for yeah. the entire season. Which makes it so smart. It makes it so smart, right? Where it's like, uh, it's a little too on the nose. I think we should be approaching it metaphorically. Yeah. Or how do we approach this narration? He's like, no, just dumb it down. Make it simpler. Yeah. And she's like, well, I think it's not just campfire stories, right? Rod Sterling kind of elevates these stories. And Jordan Peele's like, is there something wrong with campfire stories? Yeah. Just a fun back and forth about what the hell is the Twilight Zone yeah. anyway? And you get to see the people behind uh-huh. the scenes trying to discover what they're trying to create here. Yeah, she's like, yeah, it's not just monsters on a plane wing. And then right. like, she says, like, you know, there's a reason that Rod Serling was in every episode and, and Jordan Peele's like, until now. Pops a mint into his mouth. <laughs> yep. Please remember this moment. <laughs> wink, wink, wink. Yeah. Submitted uh, for your approval to the <laughs> Emmys. Uh, yeah, I am just in love with this entire section. Just the mushy debate about what it all is. So uh-huh. then, um, and she's like, she always wanted to know when do we actually get to the Twilight Zone, right? When I watched it as a kid, I wanted to uh-huh. get to the Twilight Zone, which I don't know. In the course of the entire podcast, we must have talked about that at some point. Mm-hmm. That like, what is the Twilight what is Zone? The Twilight Zone. Yeah. I remember being like haunted by that basic premise, but I guess yeah. that's a read. I guess you can it's have on question. the old show. And then like Jordan Peele tries to ad lib the narration at the beginning, which is super funny, and he's like. Witness Adam Wig, uh, Wing, uh, and she's like Wingman. Yeah, <laughs> forget it. Also, I guess on the last, or not the last episode, but um, the one with the alternate dimension, we were joking mm-hmm. about maybe that's the Twilight Zone. Mm. Turns out not quite. We mm. might get to see it a little bit later. I think I don't maybe. know. We'll figure it out. Um, so you know, then coming back from commercial break, it's listing credits on the bottom like it always does. Yes, I was praying to God mm-hmm. that they wouldn't show the writer and director for this episode. Yeah. Because I think that'd be so much more fun and meta at the time. Because in my mind, I'm like, is the writer actually named Sophie? Mm-hmm. I think that'd be so effing cool if they actually yeah. listed the credits that way. But no, it turns out that the credits, the person that we said that we wanted to get on the show is the main writer for this episode, who's Alex Rubens. Ah. And it's directed, of course, by Simon Kinberg himself, the producer who's produced everything under the sun. Really? And he also directed the film Dark Phoenix. <laughs> Dark Phoenix. Yeah, that's coming out this week. So, hey, very exciting. Interesting. Very exciting times for Another Simon Sophie. Kinberg. That's right. Oh, good point. Thank you. I wonder if you thought about that. Yeah, specifically. Yeah. Um, so, they come back and it's like, hey, she's cramming. She has to write a new intro. She has writer's block. She's rewriting this stuff. It's she, kind of fun because she's like working her way through it and it feels very much like cliche of Twilight mm-hmm. Zone after cliche of Twilight Zone. Yeah, she's got like a, on her laptop, there's a like a sticker where the Apple logo would be. And it's like Rod Serling's head with a spiral behind it, which right. is very cool. Yes. And then later on in the episode, she's carrying out a notebook and yeah. it has like a trip to Mars on mm-hmm. it. It also has like a Whipple sticker yeah. that's like half covered up and stuff. I will say on Facebook, I keep getting this ad served to me like, Hey, you should watch this Twilight Zone thing. And in the comments, it's super fun to watch it, to check through it. And there's a surprising amount of people, maybe not surprising that are like, this show sucks. I like the original with Rod Sterling. 
<laughs> so uh comes back jordan peele's doing the new narration it had to be on cue cards because they're so down to the wire right and so he's reading the cue cards i don't understand that is it just faster than typing to write well, it on because then what are you gonna do like you're gonna load it into the teleprompter i mean no teleprompter can go that fast especially when she said she's like i'll write it on the cue cards myself it's like it seems like it would take a while yeah okay first i need to learn how to write on cue cards <laughs> just make a tiny just font make- all in one <laughs> Uh, so anyways, he's reading the new narration and it's like, oh, this is all about a writer and uh, the blurry background of her episodes, all this stuff. And yeah. then it, it basically ends then with, you know, Jordan Peele kind of laughing, like, okay, Sophie, whatever that was, okay. And Seth Rogen's like, hey, this sounds like a better episode. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I like the, that. The, the version of Seth Rogen that's on this episode is just the best. Right, I, right. I, I think he seems like a cool guy in general, but I love the version of him in here. Yes, absolutely. Oh, and I realized I completely misspoke because they, they have the credits after this trunk because this is the trunk that I absolutely love where, yeah, Seth Rogen is jokey. And then Jordan Peele's kind of laughing. He just goes, what's going on? And yeah. then it cuts to the intro of the Twilight Zone, which is like, that's what he could say every episode. Are you guys seeing this? What? What is happening? <laughs> do, 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 do. Um, so uh, comes back and it's like, she's like, I swear it wasn't me that actually wrote those cue cards. And she's like, maybe, you know, somebody wrote it because they're hoping for like a blooper reel. And he's like, aren't the bloopers supposed to be funny? Like, it wasn't funny. Oh, yeah. Like a blooper reel. And he's like, but that would, yeah. Oh, a blooper reel that's not funny. Wow. Yeah. And there's a funny moment when they're walking and he's like, this guy walks by like a, and he goes, hey, can I have some of that? And he grabs the bag of popcorn from the guy and just takes it. Yes. By some of, he means all of. Yes. This is where like kind of that dicky persona mm-hmm. comes through a little bit more, right? Or he, but, he even like in the last scene talking about like dumbing down the narration and yeah. stuff. Where it's like, oh, I wish it was just a little more realistic. But I guess he's having fun. Everyone calls him JP. Or J. Yeah. I wonder if they do that on set too. Um, yes. But so clearly. She's, she's worried about her job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I swear, I swear, JP, it wasn't me. And Jordan Peele's like, hey, you should be worried about anything right now. It's that you're in an episode of The Twilight Zone. Uh, the writer who can't outrun her fears, mm. that type of thing. Which I'm sure that's not relevant in any way. <laughs> um, and so where does... She's talking to the editor, right? About trying to figure out who wrote those cue cards? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And the editor is like, does she make a joke that it's a blurry man? Or she just show that... Oh, she's just showing, him like, showing her like... Yeah, there's also, like, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. Like, there's this blurry guy in the background scene every time, and, like, the director swears he didn't see it. Yeah, and they know. think it's her, uh-huh. right? They think it's, them mess- it's her messing with him again. So she shows her the scene from the library as a blurry man. Then they're like, even in the first episode of the show, and they cut back to the comedian mm-hmm. and show the blurry man. They're like, it's there the whole time. It's, it's obvious when you are looking for it, but yeah. people didn't comment on it at the time. Yeah. Amazing. Yes. I love, I wanted them to keep going through and like... But they do show... Oh, well... Well, later on, yeah. yeah. But even like um, sets-wise, I mm-hmm. wanted them to show more sets from previous episodes. And mm-hmm. it seems like a lot shot on location. So maybe the only set they had was that one from the comedian. Because mm-hmm. like that bar set, bar. that was from the comedian, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. I wonder, was it the same bar from the Kid President episode also, I wonder? That's a great question. Thank you. Because it's kind of at a different angle, right? Yeah. I'll say yes, but I don't know. Maybe they would have made that more clear and stuff. Hang on. I'm now just uh, connecting more fun moments of this episode together in my head. Anyways, so she starts to get horrified about this blurry man in the background, mm-hmm. right? Um, then they break for lunch. Yes. And so she's wandering through. She goes to the library just to check it out. Because she's trying to find Jordan. Right. 
uh, JP. Because she has to get the new cue cards and narration rolling. Yeah. So she goes to the library, and in the library, there is the blurry man mm-hmm. standing in the background. Yes. Uh, and it, oh, but even before that, it's just like very tense. She's really spooked out. Mm-hmm. Clearly something's happening. I thought this was like the scariest episode. Oh, yeah, for sure. Of the entire run. Like, it was genuinely yeah. freaking me out. I thought yeah. it was so good. The stuff, the sound design overall was mm-hmm. just incredible. She sees the blurry man and then she's like, fine, whatever. Right. But and I love even before that, there's a, just one cue card sitting by the bookshelf. And it just says, Sophie is about to learn. Mm-hmm. I love that. I'm getting goosebumps yeah. just thinking about that. I love that just for a spooky thing. Like, that's such an effed up thing to see. Yeah. Um, also, the concept of the blurry man, tell me if. I'm too up in my head about this stuff, mm-hmm. but I, it's certainly been in my notes. And I think we've talked about it throughout the season of just how uh, they love their shallow depth of field in the twilight zone. Mm-hmm. Clearly, you know, man, I'm a Dan. What's another show called black mirror. Yeah. <laughs> also does too, <laughs> but it's just like, it's so omnipresent. And now the idea of like using background being blurred out as a core part of mm-hmm. the narrative. Yeah. Oh, mwah. I just, <laughs> I just love it. Yeah. Uh, so I love it because she is going through all these sets, seeing the blurry man again, getting more and more freaked out. But every time she tries to confront him, it's always like this, test me, MFR, let's go. Like she yeah. tries to, you're like, you're not even real. Every time she challenges the blurry man, blurry man, it's made very clear like, no, no, this is quite real. Like he's going to whip a ton of books at your effing head. Yeah. Like do not mess with the blurry man. This yeah. is not some fiction of your imagination. Oh. Um, so she, oh yeah, she's like, oh, this is fun. Terrorize this woman on set. How do you think that's going to play out on deadline over here? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really playing into current pop culture. So she runs back into the bar from the comedian. Uh, there's the book that she starts paging through. Mm-hmm. It's like this red book. This part freaked me out. Am I nuts? Oh, yeah. It was really unnerving. I think it was just an overall tense episode, but mm-hmm. like her flipping through and there's kind of like a little... You know, drawing, little flip book animated guy, and it's of the blurry man. But the part that freaked me out is when, like, with the animations, like, his leg, like, going Mm -hmm. all the way over to the other side of the book as he eventually takes up the full book. Yeah. And then it kind of grows into just pages being scribbled out. Mm -hmm. Did you take that to be a reference to Time Enough at Last? Oh, there's a lot of Time Enough at Last in this episode. Well, obviously. But do you think that that specifically, like, the scribbled out pages from his shrew of a wife? I think they may have been a happy accident. But why else have, like, the book scribbled? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I don't know. Anyways, so uh, she again is trying to get tested by the blurry man, and then just bottles of booze start being Mm -hmm. chucked at her head. Yeah. Which, if you think of, like, what the blurry man is kind of interacting with in this episode. Yeah. Without spoiling anything yet, like, I think it's really interesting that it's, like, books, booze. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, craft services, craft services. <laughs> you know what I mean it's like yeah. you could connect some dots about what they're trying to say here I guess um, so then he's running th- or she's running through goes to uh, the street set mm-hmm. and it's kind of this post- post-apocalyptic she set trips on a like one of those what was it a dolly track for a camera yeah or something and so she's she's limping around and stuff getting more and more horrified um, she's like you know, Jordan puts you up to this because the horror genre stuff is real. People stalk each other and stuff. I love like that little reference of like, mm-hmm. all right, Jordan with his effing horror, like trying to yeah. play into his career. Well, before then, I think in the street, there's that shop with all the TVs in the windows, right? Yes. And she walks over there and they're all set to static. And then she sees 
cuts of a bunch of like shots from previous episodes with the blurry man. Yes. In the background. And it's like, there's no way there's actually that blurry of a character standing right there in that episode. We absolutely would have mentioned, especially you who watched every episode twice. Uh, did you research this much? I did. Apparently there's very quick pass. It's not like it, it, the shot was ever lingering on that figure. Not lingering. And also uh, I looked at like still images mm-hmm. of the shots. They aren't that blurry. It's more of like what the figure looks like at the end of the episode. Oh, really? Yeah. It's not as blurred because it's like, man, that would be so distracting to have yeah. that kind of amorphous blob yeah, uh, in like, those oh, episodes. some dude from Jacob's Ladder here. Right. And I have <laughs> to go back that. and check my notes because maybe I wrote it down, but I remember specifically in replay, mm-hmm. uh, there's the shot and he's in the um, parking lot. Oh. Like smoking a cigarette. Uh-huh. And I remember thinking like, that's really weird. Like I definitely oh, noticed him that time of like, is this a reference to something? But anyways, not tipping our hand of where this is going. Um, but yeah, fun. It's right there on the TVs. Um, then Blurry Man gets closer and closer. She lets out a blood curdling scream and he's gone. Mm-hmm. And then back from commercial, she's like, oh, it's not real. Yeah. Then she hears her own voice going, yeah, it is. Yeah. And this one too is like, it's crazy, but it's happening. And then our Sophie goes like, you can't use it anymore. It stigmatizes mental health. <laughs> <laughs> like the that idea the of the show critiquing itself for being too PC at yeah. the same time. It's like everything is roped into this episode. Yeah. So she's talking to herself. What do you take this as meaning? What, what, do you, what did you read into that? Were you thinking, like for me, when she started talking to herself, it's like, okay, so she's writing the episode right now and mm-hmm. she's just projecting just her own mind into it. Narrating it as it's happening, but right. also having a dialogue with herself. And I guess I'm still a little bit confused about what the voice accomplishes. Maybe she just needs somebody to like bounce back and forth off of. I think it's a more effective way to articulate, hey, this is effed up. What is going on? Is this real? And then she can have confirmation from another voice. Right. Like, and especially, yeah, I like the the voice saying like, oh no, it is a nightmare, yeah. but it is real. Like mm-hmm. this is actually happening to you. Yep. Which again, I think is reinforced every time she tries to challenge Blurry Man. It's like, exactly. nope, F you, not a dream. Yeah. Um, so she is then running around the sets. She runs across like Seth Rogen and, and basically the crew from the start of the episode, mm-hmm. but she can't interact with them. They can't hear her. Yes. Unclear if she can touch them. It seems like she kind of touches his back at some point, but... Anyways, they do not acknowledge that she exists. She's running through. At this point, the craft services table launches itself into the sky because it's a very uh, cool move. Oh, yeah. And nobody seems to notice. So Right, right. Um, then uh, her own voice again is like, Sophie, stop. You can't run from this. You have to mm-hmm. be able to see what's really there. And she's, she's like, I'm ready to see. I'm ready to see it. And then Twilight Zone theme plays mm-hmm. as like this black and white cloud consumes her. Yeah. It is so cool looking. Yeah. And then she's like remembering her childhood watching the show and her parents are like, go outside, play with the other kids. And time enough at last is playing on the television. Right. Because watching that episode. And it's like, I guess if you have to choose an episode. Yeah. Is it? Do you think time enough at last is number one most famous episode? I would think that in Nightmare 20,000 Feet. Yeah. Too. Like, those are the two that people seem to remember. Yeah. I, I mean, you also know. have, like, To Serve Man. You've got Eye of the Beholder. I mean, there's a lot of really famous episodes. I bet Time Enough at Last is number one, though. Yeah. I, I'm sure earlier in this podcast I agreed otherwise, but I'm going with that right yeah. now. Um, at this point, do you, without tipping your hand again, mm-hmm. do you understand exactly where this is going? Like, no. at what point? Oh, really? I, I'm kind of like, yeah. Okay. I was thinking back and, like, fully connecting the dots. Like, okay, got it, got it. Uh, but I love it. So she thinks that she's like, you know, had this epiphany. She's back on the set. She's conquered her fears. She saw herself as a child 
watching the Twilight mm-hmm. Zone, and then the voice is like, did you think this was over? Mm-hmm. And the camera starts spinning around her and rotating, yeah. and as it's doing it, it's desaturating more and more, mm-hmm. which is just an awesome effect. Yeah, so they, yeah, so essentially it ends up in almost like a black and white. There's still some elements of color, right? Right. But it's very right. muted. Yes. So then she's running out, and she goes to the post-apocalyptic set, mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, this is basically just the time enough at last. Yes. She's running up the steps and it's like, okay, good, subtle. And then they have an extreme close up of like the glasses that are broken. It's like, okay, we got it. Yeah. But, British married are saying, my glasses, my glasses. Yeah. Which I no. guess, I guess that's cool to like repurpose the post apocalyptic set from earlier in the episode mm-hmm. in a new way. Cause yes. I certainly didn't think of time enough at last when like you first saw the street and no, stuff like no. that. Um, so then she's like, oh, okay, I get it. This is the end of the episode with some cruel twist because here I am confronting Blurry well, Man again. She seems again. a little more desperate when she's saying it. She's like, what did I do wrong? I did everything I could. Did yeah. I learn the wrong lesson? What was I supposed to do? Right. The lesson thing is interesting. Yeah. Then Blurry Man starts walking towards her. Mm-hmm. Closer and closer. He's getting less blurry. Yes. He's now a sharp focus man. Sharp focus. I'd argue too sharp focus man. Maybe dial it back a little bit. Why not leave it a little blurry is my yeah. question. But the Twilight Zone strings are playing more and mm-hmm. more, and out walks Rod Sterling. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, Rod Sterling. CGI. CG Rod Sterling. <laughs> Love it. Why not? It's like I'm it's always so annoyed. Good. I'm so annoyed by you know CG Leia and stuff like that yeah. in Rogue One. It's like I wish it was perfect, and they mm-hmm. shot it not in such a confident way. Yeah. Because it is not as good as they think it is. No. But still... It's good enough. Especially if you pause it, I think yeah. it looks really good. Yeah. And then he starts speaking, and mm-hmm. Rod Serling's like, I think you know where we are. It's a pretty good Rod Serling. It, it, the dialogue is is pretty good. I think that closing narration is damn near perfect. Oh. If, the, if that's not actually an old clip. They have, like, dialed into the, like, <laughs> the ponderous prose... They would often accompany those last episodes. Yeah, yes. So he, he grabs her. Uh-huh. They go through the door. It argues the door of imagination. Yeah, they open a door, and there's another door identical behind it. And it starts, like, twisting a little they bit. They start opening it. It's just an endless corridor of doors. Yes. And then they eventually are floating towards a galaxy that's in the intro. Walking of... in space. It's so <laughs> yeah, good. Whatever. And, and then the narration's all about, like, you know... Um, Let's see. Oh, just about, oh, there's multiple stories, mm-hmm. multiple versions, multiple worlds. You need to stop being so close-minded and open your eyes to mm-hmm. a new beginning for the Twilight Zone. Yes. V- which is hokey and hacky. I totally get it. Yes. Uh, but it, come on. What did you think of this episode, Quirk? I loved it. I thought it was so much fun. That's exactly my takeaway. Yeah. It's like, I... I it's the only episode of the season where I've been thinking about it since I watched it and then thought about it like again this morning as I was eating breakfast mm-hmm. and I'm just I'm torn a little bit for like is it empty calories is it as smart or is there like depth or is it just fun and I was like either way it's the most fun episode of this season one of the most fun episodes of Twilight Zone I've ever seen it feels as though without getting into a like we'll have a larger conversation about this this run of new episodes later, but yeah. it feels like this should have been the pilot. Are you out of your mind? This is like the payoff. You can't do this as the pilot. Don't, I mean, everything else would have seemed even worse, but, and it would have set up false expectations. They're going but, for like a twist. I understand the idea of like, Hey, we should have a fun episode as the pilot, but I, I love saving this for the finale, especially yeah. because well, yeah. I wonder how many people honestly got this far. Nobody. Though. 
Yeah. I think there are a total of three views for the analytics for <laughs> CBS All Access, and it's us and the one person that tweeted at me. Yeah, people just waving dismissively, ah, I'm done. Yeah. Which I, is a bummer, because this is a really good payoff. I know, and it's to the point now where it's like, okay, you should just watch the comedian episode for mm. free, I guess, yeah. and then just watch this finale. Yep. And like you will get you will get the new Twilight Zone. Yeah. Um, do you think there's depth here, or is it just a fun episode? I think they're both a little bit. Yeah. I, th- I think it's a really smart critique, like you said earlier, about this series as a whole. Yeah. Um, it is nice to get confirmation. Like, they know what they're doing. Whether or not you agree or disagree with the choices, they're well aware of the stands that they have been taking creatively. Yeah. And yeah. It's, I, and again, I don't want to, like, condescend to say, like, oh, these are just a bunch of, like, idiots throwing together random trash. Like, even if you disagree, like, I think as a whole, the series has not been very good, but... Uh, yeah, I think I disagree a little bit, but yes, okay. Yeah, I, I, but they're doing the thing that they want to be doing, and I feel like this time, everything kind of aligned in a way that I was into. This time, but it's in a way I think you can only do once. Yes. Right? I mean, I, will they keep Blurry Man in next season? I bet they will. You bet they will? Do you think they will? That's a good question. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know. Because it call. seems like they really did ease off on the Easter eggs as well. Because it seems like they were... Uh, a lot I of, don't know. I do. Maybe not like as... They're not as overt. Yeah, but there's definitely at least one or two per episode, you know? Yeah, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I Maybe it's just like this episode's so enjoyable and so fun because... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Again, I'll, I'll go ahead and go on a limb. I know we covered some deep topics in earlier episodes and stuff, but it feels like... This is a topic that the writers will really feel and can really get behind mm-hmm. is just the episode about living up to the pressure from Rod Serling and yeah. the ghost of Rod Serling effing torturing them, mm-hmm. which is the best. Yeah. It's the most fun you can have. Oh, and then I forgot to mention, then back half they have end credits, like the old style, with like a new version of that old yeah. song, and it just sounds so awesome. When she is like, when the when the camera is panning around her too, the music, if it is not a direct, like, pulled from the same stock library of music that CBS would always use on the original run of the Twilight Zone, it is yeah. something that is so heavily inspired by it. It's just, like, very dramatic, and uh, yeah, it's a super fun, like, throwback yeah. orchestration. Yeah, I want to listen to this episode's soundtrack. I think, yeah, yeah overall, it's, the sound is incredible. Um, well, what is this episode about in your mind? What is this episode about? I think you nailed it. I think it's just about living up to expectations, um... And taking on what is an impossible challenge in some ways, and it's also the, the spirit of discovery, Twilight Zone, what is this thing? Yeah. Is it a campfire story? Is it a campfire story? You could certainly reduce it to being a campfire story, for sure. Like, hey, one time there was a writer and she disappeared, and uh-huh. there's weird stuff about a blurry guy. <laughs> uh-huh. Also, Blurry Man's just a good... He's not exactly Slender Man, but like, yeah. he's a good new scary monster concept. Yeah. I think it's... I, although, I wonder why he was so so mean to her. Why was he throwing things at her? Well, I, that's the thing. Is like, I think... I mean, Rod Sterling was an alcoholic, right? I don't know. Am I just assuming that? I'm sure we talked about it at some point of this podcast again. But like, the bottles thing is interesting. Mm-hmm. Throwing books at her, it's like, okay, I could get down with Rod doing that. Be like, learn your craft more, you hack. Hmm. Read... Playdate 90, the novelization. Well, it seems like books and bottles aren't the only things that are being projected right now. Oh. 
Um, but yes, absolutely. Like, why is he like literally breaking this woman's leg and stuff? Yeah. Like, he's chasing her around. You think if he sees potential in her, maybe like, ah, uh, we gotta see if she'll like confront me and then she deserves it or something. But at yeah. a certain point, it's just like, chill out, Rod. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is, yeah. She's like, she's been into you for a long time. <laughs> she's been into you. Yeah, absolutely. And like, obviously now it's, it's very fun for her being like, well, wrestling's in every episode. Yeah. Which... If you recall, your Twilight Zone history is not true until the end of the first season. Right. You know what I mean? Well, I guess he was like, did that closing thing of like, the next episode is a doozy or whatever. But mm-hmm. like in the actual episode, that doesn't start until a world of his own. So even then, it's kind of meta in its own way mm-hmm. where end of the first season, Rod comes into the show. He deletes himself too, doesn't he? Uh, he I think the guy kills him. Yeah. 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 Because he's on the... He's on dictation the, tape, whatever yeah. the hell that old tech is and stuff that he keeps burning. Bloop. The red-eyed elephant. Yeah. <laughs> In the hallway. <laughs> uh, pff, what score did you give this, Kirk? What did I give it? I gave it a nine. I thought this was so much fun. I was debating. I gave it a ten. Yeah. And I was like, it should save the ten for the absolute masterpieces, but at the same time, at some point, you have to give it up for like, yeah. it's not conceivable to be more entertained watching an episode of TV than I was watching this. I guess in some ways, like I know I said that this should have been the pilot, mostly because I just feel like it would have been a better way to introduce people to something fun. <laughs> and but then your expectations, you were like, yeah, this show's fun and good, and then you'd be disappointed. But like, it is a nice payoff to see like the the JP facade fall down, yes. and to see. Just people having a good time. God, and I hope that they're hearing enough praise and acclaim for this mm-hmm. episode, but at the same time, like, how do you carry it forward other than having Blurry Man in second season? Yeah. Is it, I feel like every episode now, it's just going to be like, just yell cut, yell cut. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want them to break the fourth wall again and again and again. Yes, exactly. Well, it seems like the next season, they've run out of hot button political issues. They tackled everything, so now mm. they can just do the fun stuff. Hope like, you like campfires. Yeah, this alien is actually a metaphor for racism. (laughs) Um, Is there anything to the idea that Seth Rogen and his character in that episode summoned the post-apocalyptic world? Is there any universe where we're still in that episode going down the rabbit hole? Do you know what I mean? No, they yelled cut. Yeah, so that just defeats all that? Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any, like, universe where it is Mr. World of His Own mm-hmm. pulling the strings for, you know, as we speculated all of the original run of the Twilight Zone. If there's any world where it's like it's Seth Rogen in this one. Yeah. But I guess in this one, it's just uh, Jordan Peele, yeah. I guess, now at this point, trying to get those scripts dumber. <laughs> Do you think they will ever revisit that idea? Or they're just like, yeah, we completely burned that one. Can like, we- the next one is just like... uh uh, a, a road trip comedy with Rod Serling CG <laughs> yeah. and Sophie going through the Twilight Zone. Or do you think we'll see an episode like the season premiere of the next one is the Seth Rogen episode? <laughs> <laughs> and you know that in his mind he's not that into it. It is not it that sounds good. Sounds like a better episode. What the? What is the idea then? That's just like heaven is Twilight Zone. I mean, not that direct, but just like it is. He just showed her the Twilight Zone and brought her to this other universe. Mm-hmm. Because only he can do it, and the they'll never touch it. And she's like so excited, and then he's like, "Let me show you more about Willoughby." Mm, <laughs> all right, to the Twilight Zone, but first a stop at Willoughby. <laughs> Here, let's look at all these lame episodes. <laughs> yeah, you like Robert Duvall, right? <laughs> get a little, and you like Hitler and dolls. <laughs> oh, that's right. I was thinking of the other one. Oh, you can do both. That's Living Doll and Dollhouse. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Uh, hey, Blurry Man. 
Good job. Good stuff. Good job. What fun. You guys did it. What fun. It's a shame that um, we're assuming more people won't see it. Yes. So now that if you have not yet seen this episode and we've completely spoiled it, you should go check it out. Yeah, it's a real hoot. Yeah. What? Oh. What? I'm just thinking about that CG look for him. It is... It is, it's something in the motion. It's yeah. so weird that pausing it, it's like, oh, not bad. And then yeah. the second it plays, it gets brought down to like a six out of 10. When he was walking toward the door at the end, I couldn't not think about the fact that we learned that Rod certainly, how tall he was like five, eight or something. Oh, right, right. So I was like, is this going to be like a forced perspective thing where he approaches and he has to like get on his toes to like reach the doorknob. Fortunately, he, you could tell he was not a tall guy uh-huh. with the CG Rod Serling. So they nailed that. I'd love to hear what his family thought of this. Oh, isn't the daughter? She's a producer, right? uh, or the wife? Yeah, somebody. Yeah, Carolyn uh, Serling is connected to the show as an executive producer. But yeah, yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. Um, when do you want to do um, Franklin's? The Franklin's. Let's do them soon. Okay, let's yeah. do them soon. Uh, hopefully, look forward to them this week. Then, yeah, great. And thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Twilight Highlight Zone. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel for more episodes, or if you're watching this on YouTube, you can subscribe to the podcast feed. Yeah. It goes both ways, much like the Twilight Zone door. Oh my lord! Until next time, Twilight Highlight. Twilight, Twilight. Twilight.